RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. Brian, how are you today? Dusty, I am rolling. <laughs> Excellent Tombstone reference. Mike, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Good deal. I don't know what movie that referenced, but I'm yeah. glad, to, glad to hear a happy greeting. The, the movie of Mike. <laughs> so, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned. As a reminder, so we recap our sessions and, and go over lessons that we learned so that you can learn from our experience. Today, we'll be talking about a game that we played that we cleverly titled Medieval Avengers. So, we probably ran this game a little over a year ago, uh, Tribality. Tribality.com. I, I had, it's probably older than that, but I had discovered it about a year ago that Tribality.com had generated fifth edition characters based on the Avengers. And the Avengers 2 had, had been out for a while. I, I had just seen it when we decided to run this game. So, I handed you guys each one of the Medieval Avengers character sheets, and we ran a one-shot where we did the Avengers, but set in, like, D&D, low fantasy, medieval times. So we skipped straight to 12th level because the pre-gens from Tribality, which, by the way, are really good and flavorful. Do we all agree that those, that those, that those generated characters are really good? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Every one of them. Every So it, we had, I had four players, right? So we had Iron Man... We had Hawkeye. We had Brian. Who are you? Are I was you, Captain America. You Captain America. And then I can't remember who the fourth person was. Who did Nathan play? Was the, it Hulk? Maybe. I think so. Actually, every one of those characters felt like both what I'm used to from comics and from the from the, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It, the, the characters felt spot on. So to play Marvel characters. In a D twenty fifth edition game, super fun. So, all credit to Tribality dot com for those character builds. No affiliation with that website. They don't know who we are. We they don't know we exist. But go there, search their site for the Avengers. And at this point, they've done Avengers pregens and the the Captain America Civil War. They did some pregens based on that. They've got the the Winter Soldier. They've got Black Panther. They have a ton of pregens at this point. So, highly encourage you to check out those pregens. But uh, we jumped straight to 12th level because the pregens are 12th level. How was that? Was that hard? No, not really. I mean, so my character, if I remember, I mean, he was a captain. Captain America was a fighter. He was, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think a fighter is that hard to play in general when it comes to, like, the feats and stuff. Um, If he had been a mage or, or a wizard or something... Uh, I probably would have gotten lost with all of the complexity, but uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think the fighter uh, was very easy to play. I'm actually having a little trouble remembering who I played. Was I Hawkeye? Hawkeye's the one that died. I remember uh, I remember Hawkeye died, but I can't remember who who I actually was this game. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were Hawkeye. I, I think it was, and I think uh, uh, kind of along Brian's same line, I, I chose Hawkeye as a ranger just to avoid the whole complexity of being a wizard. Um, but yeah, I don't remember having any problems rolling a higher level character, or familiarizing myself with, with my abilities or my skills. Um, I remember also being like, wow, this guy is crazy overpowered, which makes sense that they're a superhero. Yeah. We can kind of enjoy that. This was our first high level game, right? Yeah. We, we went through our entire fourth edition campaign and we only hit seventh freaking level, uh, just because it, we played so rarely. And then we start playing fifth edition more. And we got those characters to about eight or nine, 
in fifth edition, and then we we just went to the one shots and just played one shots, one shots, one shots. We hadn't started our Pathfinder campaign yet, so we were talking. It's like you know, we've never played over ten over level ten before. Didn't we have a game where we played level twenty? After this, after okay. yeah, this yeah. wet our whistle for high level play because if you recall, this actually kind of inspired by Avengers two opened up in combat. So yeah. we've already talked about we with Tanner we discussed our L five R game where we opened in combat. That was a trick I learned from this game. This game predated our L five R game. So we opened up on combat. We opened up in an attack on a Hydra base with a bunch of mooks. Like, like really low-level Hydra monsters. And I had like three of them for each of you. And you just mowed them down. I mean, mowed them down. Yeah. And I remember, Mike, you being like, dude, high-level characters are awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, opened up in combat. It's it's a trick I've used before. Is there anything we can say about this that we didn't say with Tanner, Brian? It works. I it mean, works, yeah. I, I mean, I think you have to do it strategically. Uh, I, I don't think you could start off in a really complex battle where there is the a good chance of dying. Oh, the battle has to not matter. Yeah. It has to be a battle where you know you're going to crush the bad guys, just like that battle in Avengers 2. But for me, it, again, it gives you a chance to use your character sheet yep. and to use your powers and to get kind of a feel for everything with no consequences. I think one thing I remember about the opening of this game is you you really stressed Think of it cinematically. Think about what your character would do. Think about what they would say. You know, if you, if you come up with a quip after you just crush this guy, share that quip with us. I really remember that at the beginning of this game, and I think that really helped us uh, latch on really quickly to these characters and, and just move from the start. Yeah, it was meant to be cinematic. I'm, I'm glad that struck a chord. So, Brian, you so, – so it's not, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? Mm-hmm. This, was a, this was pretty much a really fun game that we really liked. Yeah. But after the game – you were not comfortable playing the Avengers in a medieval setting. It just felt, I hate to say forced, but it was a little forced. I mean, if I'm going to play the Avengers, why not play the Avengers? I mean, I, I, what I loved playing Captain, I love Captain America. It, there's no secret about that. I mean, if you look at my wall, uh, the superhero that you'll see most often is Captain America. I love Captain America. So I love the fact that in the games, uh, that in the games, um, people that I, the NPCs that I encountered, were awestruck that they were speaking to me. I'm like, that is great. That is exactly what Captain America's life is like. But at the same time, if I'm if I'm going to be if we're playing the Avengers, why not play the Avengers? Why do they? Why does it have to be shoehorned into this low fantasy setting? I mean, yeah, it's fun. It's funny. It's cute. But it just kind of it just kind of leaves me unsatisfied playing Captain America. It's kind of like reading that uh, Neil Gaiman comic sixteen oh two that came out years ago. A lot of people like it. Didn't work for me because. Um, Again, if the characters are the characters, why not have them in their, you know, natural setting? To your point, I didn't much care for Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna I wanna dig on this for a second. I, I know we don't have this in the show notes, but would you be open to playing another game as the Avengers, but you know, I change similar to what we did with the with the Terror on the Katara, where we pulled a fantasy game forward into the nineteen twenties pulp era. Would you be comfortable if I said, hey, you know what, hand crossbows or pistols, heavy crossbows or rifles, and we did a game, an Avengers game in modern settings, in a, in a modern setting, using 5th edition rules? Absolutely. That would be fun. I think the thing you got to be careful of there is is trying to equate the Avengers superpowers and abilities into modern weaponry. 
I think it worked for me in medieval setting in that their powers were magic. So when, you know, when, 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 when Iron Man shoots lasers from his hand, it's not his, his photon focusing ray. It's, it's magic. Yeah. It was, it was, it was literally the witch bolt. He was an eldritch knight. Yeah. So it was the witch bolt spell. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think if you, if you put them into a modern setting, you have to find something in your, in your game mechanic to account for that, but not call it magic. And there actually is or was uh, a Marvel game. So the Margaret Weiss Game Company has the Marvel Heroics game based on the Cortex Plus system. I actually have that game. And Tanner made a good point when we spoke with him about how he finds the mechanics and the setting to be almost inextricable. And he doesn't enjoy generic systems. I I find mechanics and flavor to be very extricable. And I'm, I'm comfortable using mechanics however I see fit to, to fit whatever story I'm trying to tell. Would you guys want to try it in an actual Marvel system or is the familiarity with D20 and fifth edition enough to say, you know what, we should really stick with fifth edition. So for me, um, these marbles, the Marvel system, whatever system they're using, I mean, it's not been play tested as much as D and D has been. Yeah, the mechanics it, of five E are pretty rock solid. Yeah. I, so like, uh, if we were playing Hawkeye, so you have a bow and arrow, so to make it like an exploding arrow, so instead of doing like 1d6 damage or 1d6 plus 1, make it 1d6 plus 7, you know, for the... for the Or even simpler than that, just attach a fireball spell to it. Yeah, something like, like that. Like use the exact mechanics of a fireball spell to, to, to stand for an explosion. Yeah, so I mean, I think I think it could be easily modified to account for it. And not have to have some sort of, I'm not going to say janky, that it, like whatever system that the Marvel games have are, are janky, but they they certainly aren't as robust. And- I own a ton of Cortex books. Mm-hmm. A ton. I've never played it with you guys. Because this is the conversation that we always have. You guys are comfortable with 5th edition, so that's where we stay. You guys have invested in 5th edition, so that's where we I, stay. I'm fine doing something new. I like playing new systems. I just don't know that I... I I don't know that I would want to invest in a new system, meaning that it's played no, 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 yeah. several games. But um, I, I love learning new systems. I love being ex- exposed to new to new systems. All right, we'll play with that. But for this game, for this game, it was fun to do the Avengers in a system that we were familiar with in a medieval setting. Um, Brian's Brian, did, did did your did your concern about the medieval setting for this Avengers game stop you from having fun? Oh no, no, it's it. I, at the end, just in, in hindsight, it just uh, left uh, left me wanting more. Not meaning left me wanting more of this. It just I I would have been more satisfied had it just been set in modern day, or you know, honestly, it might have been more fun. It was if I don't, I don't know how you could have gotten it across, but if it was set, say, like in the the eighties or something, like uh, going back and reading Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, even though it it takes place in the future, it was written in the the 80s, so Reagan's president and everything. So, and of course, then you're getting like super specific, and it's it's probably more than you really need to account for. And that's probably something you would play if you played like an Avengers game for as your campaign, and you play it all the time. But um, no, I, yeah, modern a more modern setting I think would have been great, and I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Not that I didn't enjoy it, because I I love the the Captain America. Um, I love the fact that you know he's a celebrity, and that's the way that people. Approached him. I, I thought that was fun. So, yeah, I think I think it's enough there about the, the setting. I used Carnage as the main villain. Carnage has not appeared in the cinematic universe. I wanted someone. Carnage is lame. 
You think so? <laughs> he is so lame. He's 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 lame as lame can be. Oh, I specifically wanted a, a, a an iconic Marvel villain that had not yet appeared in the cinematic universe. From from, from the one who doesn't even read comics that much, I, I can agree that Carnage is lame. <laughs> the, so I will admit, the only thing I really knew about Carnage was from back in the day when I subscribed to Sega Visions, the magazine. <laughs> The Spider-Man Maximum, Maximum Carnage. Carnage. Yeah, that, that game series, and I read all about Carnage there. I had never been much of a spider. I'd, I'd been a comics fan for years and years and years. Never a huge Spider-Man fan. My cousin was a huge Spider-Man fan, and I didn't want to cover the same territory as him, so I didn't read a lot of Spider-Man. Carnage it was the uh, like the natural escalation that takes place after Venom is, oh, yeah. isn't extreme I, I, enough. Before this game, because I knew you knew comics, Brian... I read the Wikipedia article on Carnage like front and back like multiple times to to try to get the feel. And then there's like a Marvel wiki. I read the Marvel wiki. I read the Wikipedia wiki. I I, I looked at panels. I really wanted to get the flavor of Cletus Cassidy's particular brand of insanity. I wanted to nail that down and really have that be effective. But the real thing I want to ask about for Carnage is the mechanics. I used a, 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 a yokel to stand in for Carnage. The yokel is kind of a a form of, of Loth or a, or a high priest to Loth, but a high priest to the spider god. There are some web abilities um, and, and a pretty tough fight. Uh, a CR, I think it's CR 12 or CR 14 fight. So pretty tough fight for these 12th level Avengers. Could you tell the mechanics were just descriptions of Carnage completely bolted onto a different monster? I don't think I did. I uh, I think it felt genuine. It felt like something that had been custom made for this game. And then I think at the end when you revealed, hey, it's just this regular monster, and we called him Carnage and did some flavor things to him, that that was actually kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I don't think of Carnage's um, abilities necessarily. I think of him, I think of his uh, just his homicidal nature. So yeah, he's he's he he has the symbiote and. That imbues him with certain powers, but I don't associate those powers with him like I associate them with Venom. Um, to me, again, but that's because I don't really take Carnage seriously as a character. <laughs> okay. Did it feel like Carnage? Whether you, whether you like him or not, take him seriously or not. In the game, did it feel like Carnage? Did I think I think part of the I think part of the the setting made all of the character all of the characters feel kind of not like the characters. Which, in a way, uh, protects you as the GM from maybe not necessarily knowing the character or presenting the character as um, faithfully as you could because the setting sort of distorts everything a little bit anyway. So, yeah, I did. I felt felt that it was carnage. Had it been a straight-up Marvel system set in the modern times, I don't know. I can't tease that out. But the way that we played the game, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about combat. So, on the one hand, I walked out of this game, and I was like, man, combat was way too easy. I had specifically designed the Hydra fight at the beginning to have an easy combat, to be really easy. Hey, you're taking, and, and I, I, I renamed everything, right? You guys were members of the Holy Order of the Shield, run by Abbot Nicholas the Furious. You were up against the cult of Hydra, and, and taking out some last vestiges of that cult. And then... You know, Abbot Nicholas tells you that there's been that the, that the seers of the Holy Order of the Shield have detected this this planar break, this 
this rupture between the planes and, and some monsters having come through. These, these were the symbiotes. And he sends you on this kind of search and destroy mission to find these things and, and, and destroy them. So the, the first fight was meant to be easy, but we had several symbiote henchmen fights leading up to the carnage fight. I think those were pretty easy. Were, were they, you blew through those as well? I meant for those to be a little more challenging. So the, the warehouse fight. I'm having trouble recalling the specific fights. I, I, I remember combat overall being easy and kind of going back to Hawkeye died. I think we kind of fell into the same trap with this group that we do in most of our previous campaigns is that we simply didn't have any uh, healing assets. So we, we had nothing to replenish hit points with when people did take damage. Yeah, so that's the Hawkeye death is what I was going to lead up to too and say, hey, I really felt like combat was so easy on the one hand. On the other hand, Hawkeye did die. Yeah. So was it too easy? Was it part of what frustrates me about 5th edition? And I love 5th edition by and large. But we touched on this when we interviewed Tanner. Uh, or when we talked to Tanner about our L5R game in 5th edition. What frustrates me about 5th edition is that the difficulty dial, for me, it's so hard to get it dialed in. Because things are either way too easy or way too hard. And having this, the, the band of interesting combat, the band of, hey, from here to here, it could go either way and it's going to be fun, is such a narrow band to dial in on. And what makes it even harder is, man, 5th edition is great because player experience, player experience really matters. Player strategy really matters. Uh, a group of 20th level characters who are playing poorly against a CR-18 are going to lose. A group of 20th-level players or, or, or a group of 18th-level players who are playing intelligently against a CR-20 monster are going to wipe the floor with it. So it's so hard to dial in combat. It's so hard to make combat the right level of challenging. And I think that came across here. I would say that's fair. When do you have... When, when is combat satisfying? What makes combat satisfying as a player? That's a tough one. Yeah, because because again, I kind of have I kind of have two opinions on that, right? I, I have have the opinion where it goes flawlessly, where it goes smoothly when when I don't expend all of my abilities for that day. In in player side brain, that's a great encounter. Um, but then, as far as actually experiencing the game, if you have that over and over and over again, that's just boring, and there, there's no point to it. So the other side of my brain says, yeah, when, when this combat was challenging and, and when it had stakes and, and when it, when it felt dangerous, that is also more fun than just winning all the time. So it's, it's a hard question to answer. I, so for me, I mean, it's contextual. It just depends on the game. So if we had a really exciting and challenging game and we got to the last encounter and the encounter was just us blowing off and completely annihilating the boss without, or the final encounter without even taking a hit. Probably wouldn't enjoy it that much. But at the same time, if we had had a game where it was pretty easy to get through, and then um, we get to the bot, we get to the 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 last encounter, and we nearly wipe, and it takes thirty minutes, that would probably feel like a slog. I think it just. I mean, this is all statistical. So if you look at a bell curve, there's probably a sweet spot 
as long as you have all the parameters set up from using the lessons that you've learned, you know, GMing and us as players, probably 80% of the time we're going to have a pretty satisfying encounter or pretty satisfying battle. And then you'll have the outliers where you, when you don't, uh, when it's either too hard or too easy. So, um, it just, it, it's just contextual, just depends on how the game goes and how the dice rolls. Yeah. One thing I'll share about combat that I've kind of picked up. I read a lot of essays about how, no, no, keep, keep the hit point secret DM. That way, if you need to add a few more or take some away, you know, you can do that without, without the players knowing that's a good trick that I have used in the past, but I think I've matured beyond it. I've talked many times on the show about how I now put AC and and hit points up on the board. And that is true. But did you guys know that I still have a dial that I use? I still have something I can use for combat to make it harder, easy. And I actually used it on Thursday. Did you? I did. I did not know that. I didn't No, Me neither. So the last combat, the very last elemental that you guys took out on Thursday was a bit of a slug, right? Yeah. So I could have played a little smarter and took you guys out, but the lever I pull now, and you'll notice it now that I'm saying it, but I don't care. Who are the monsters attacking? Yeah. If they're attacking the tank, then I think the encounter is probably a little hard. I'm taking it easy on you. If the monsters are being a little more ruthless and taking out the clothies, taking out the wizards, taking out the rogues, then, then hey, I'm, I'm trying to ramp up the difficulty. Yeah, that, so that makes total sense. My difficulty control now is, do my monsters go after the tank or the, the damagers and controllers? The strikers and controllers, I should say. So that, that's, that's the lever that I use right now. That makes sense. All right, let's, let's sum up here, because we already touched on the, the whole cinematic thing. So um, Mike said it before, I'll say it again. If you want a cinematic game, tell the players that and encourage them to be cinematic. And I remember rewarding a lot of inspiration in this game for cinematic behavior. So, again, we said this on previous podcasts, reward the behavior that you want to see. And and in this game, there were no maps, there were no minis. I knew that we were going to investigate all over the place, so it was meant to be, hey, you can go anywhere, you can do anything, it's a movie, it's cinematic. This is not a dungeon crawl where we're going from room to room. It's a movie where we're going from scene to scene. So, yeah, I think this is a good example when, yeah, there are no maps, there are no minis. But when I think back to the game, I still think of the setting that I have in in mind, what things look like, what the city looked like that we were in, that we created time. I, I I can't remove myself from the game without thinking of the the setting, uh, the warehouses, all of those things that we were in. That's, that's kind of cool, pretty cool. Yep. All right, so to sum up, 12th level was fine. And if you want to play at higher level, just do it. You don't have to earn it. You've bought the game. The books are on your shelf. You have every right to play in a 12th level or a 15th level or a 20th level game tomorrow. If you're listening to this and you think that you have to earn your way to that, I'm giving you permission right now (laughs) to roll a level 20 character and and play a level 20 game. It's it's fun. It's hard. It's harder. You're you're exposing more of the mechanics of the game, but it's worth doing. And for us, after years of playing and switching systems and always feeling like we had to earn our way to high level, man, it felt good. It felt so good to say, you know what? We're level 12. 
and we had a ton of hit points and a ton of, and I say we, I, I, I didn't play as a character, obviously, but I, 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 I side with the player so much that it feels like a we situation, but we had a lot of fun playing a high level game. So it, it wasn't that much harder. It was worth doing. Do it. Go after it. Do it. The setting. Um, what I wrote here is, is just make the setting appropriate. And I left it at that, Brian, because the setting and what's appropriate can it really changes for your players. I think of the four players we had in that game, three of them really liked the setting. Three of them really enjoyed playing Avengers in a medieval setting. It's a fun twist on, on a known thing. And it's a fun way to use a system that we're familiar with to have an adventure that's fun. But Brian didn't care for it. Brian had fun in the game. Didn't hate it. Brian didn't hate it. Brian had fun in the game, but Brian was also open with the feedback. So I knew, I took away, okay, we're not going to have an Avengers campaign. This was a one-shot. We're going to leave it at that. It was fun. It's a fun memory. But I didn't force Brian to participate in six months of something that didn't make sense to him. Okay, another, another thing I wrote down about Carnage. Reskin existing monsters. Oh, I can't emphasize that enough. Just change the flavor. Just change the flavor. There, There's an entire monster manual of like 300 monsters. What you're looking for is probably there. Just reskin it. Just change up. And I say reskin. I'm specifically referring to, uh, I think it was Doom, Mike, wasn't it? Where you could keep the pinkies. Like someone had done a reskin of, of the pinky demons to be Barney the dinosaur. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it, so people did a lot of mods on Doom, but they did nothing but change the textures. And those were called reskins. Yep. So those existing monsters just made them look different. And, and same thing here. There, there's, there's 300 monsters or more. If you buy some of the other books, like, you know, Volo's Guide to Monsters, there's even, you have a ton of monsters to choose from. Find something existing that mostly works and reskin it and just change the flavor. Hey, the, the chain demon. One of the henchmen for the, uh, the symbiotes was actually a chain devil. I just made the chains webs in the moment. Just, just reskin stuff. And then finally, combat. What I wrote down about combat is don't focus the whole game on combat, at least not now, at least not for me. And the reason I say that is it's, it is so hard and it remains hard for me to dial in that perfect level of difficulty for combat. So for me, as long as there's other stuff going on in the game and the whole game doesn't rest on combat, then fair enough. If the whole game rests on combat, I don't know. I'm still, after years of playing 5th edition, not confident before I sit down at the table that I know what's going to happen but, you know, until we get a few rounds into combat. If it's a new monster with a, with a, with an ability I've never used before, I don't know how that's going to play out. If one of my players can't make it, I don't know how it's going to play. I, I've I've got to find those levers. I'm still looking actively for levers to pull to control the difficulty of games. So, combat is hard. Combat's hard to prep for as a DM, and I, and I don't know a way around that other than don't focus your whole game on it. Anything to add, guys? I think you summed it up. All right, that's RPG Lessons Learned this week, Medieval Avengers. Oh, I do want to mention that Medieval Avengers, we played this game a little over a year ago. This is one of the games that I have played, at this point, have played past tense at Mace. I ran a Medieval Avengers game at Mace. So I am looking forward to, on a future episode, talking about how that game went with a group of perfect strangers, where it's the same thing, the tribality builds of the Avengers, but at a Mace table with strangers. I'm eager to know how that goes. I'm really looking forward to 
So as we record this, I haven't actually run that yet. As you listen to it, it will have already happened. So, Brian, I'm really looking forward to Mace. We're, we're beyond it. There's no point advertising for my games anymore, but we're going to get quite a lot of show content out of Mace. Absolutely. You guys are playing in a ton of games. I'm playing in a ton of games. We'll discuss those. And then I'm running two games. So, upcoming episodes, look for us to talk about Mace. In fact, I almost want to say, Brian, that we should record... So that we do it all while it's fresh in our memories, we should knock out every Mace game literally back-to-back. That's fair. And we'll just knock out a whole bunch of episodes that way. All right. Thank you for listening. As a reminder, RPG Lessons Learned is a member of the RFC family of shows. Visit tfradio.net to listen to all the other podcasts that Brian has in his repertoire. It's a, it's a, it's a good bit of delving, and if you look hard, you can find an episode of RFC from back in 1999 when Brian was a wee lad of... I was 20. Of 20. Yeah. That was uh, 18 years ago. Yeah. This, don't don't look for a ton of quality. No. Uh, our, our, our <laughs> it friend, was 18 years ago. Our friend Jason uh, was uh, the first listener. I, I sent it to him and said, hey, can you check this out? And he said, this was nine minutes of my life that I'll never get back. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you don't feel that way about RPG Lessons Learned. But if you do, I want you to email us and tell us that rpglpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, rpglpodcast. We're on Instagram as rpglpodcast and believe it or not, we're on Google Plus as RPG Lessons Learned. Yeah, I'm not even following that. I need to fix that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Google Plus. I love it and it's a great platform but no one uses it. Yeah. But I love it, man. I love it. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you. <laughs>